Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Call your bookie. We got the Duke of Bettingham with us as a co-host. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also, Mike, to formally introduce our third betting co-host today. Yes, I'm so glad this is happening. This was long, uh, long planned, and uh, we had near deaths, the both of you. I mean, David, <laughs> David had a man flu. And you had the uh, <laughs> you had the bronchitis there. You had the plague. Yep, the plague. Yeah, and uh, and I've just <laughs> been sitting here watching movies, just waiting for you guys to you know click click record. So I'm really happy. I'm really happy we could finally do this. David, welcome back. Is it worth it? The film review podcast is where you're from. Make sure everybody follows uh, David at one David Long on the website, formerly known as Twitter, and at Film is worth it. <laughs> David, it's good to have you back, my friend. Oh, guys, it's so great to be here talking Oscars and obviously talking gambling. Um, I worry for this episode where we may go. Um, it could be a dark place. It could be a very dark place, but we'll go there together. If it's not um, a dark place, then we shouldn't be gambling, right? I mean, that kind of goes hand in hand, so I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy to hear that. But we do have a gambling episode for you, dear listener, today. We're not going to go through every category, but we will give you your fill. And how many categories we have here, Mike? Four just, or five? Just the four big ones today. We'll have David back in a, in a couple of months, hopefully. I, I probably shouldn't say that. We may or may not have a, of a certain Duke from a certain district of Bettingham back at some point but i don't want to jinx it because last time i jinxed it and you yeah you both got the plague mm-hmm. but but let's uh let's have david back at some point in the very distant future hopefully like a month from now get him on back when the rest of these odds come but we only have odds for four categories that's it that's correct. So those will be the the big four is what we're concentrating on in this episode. Uh, we'll give you the gambling spiel now. We're going to be talking a lot of numbers, a lot of plus, minus, odds, all that sort of thing. Here's the handy-dandy simple handbook on how that'll work. Let's start with, for example, the Fablemans, which right now are listed at plus 120 odds. If you hear a plus number, that means if you bet, the standard uh, bet is $100. If you bet $100 plus 120, like the Fablemans are to win Best Picture right now as we record this on the 18th of November, if you bet $100 on the Fablemans, you will win $120 back. If the Fablemans do end up winning Best Picture, there are going to be some negatives, uh, some negative numbers. Let's say the Fablemans right now were negative 130. That would be you have to. They are so entrenched as the favorite. You have to bet one hundred and thirty dollars just to win a hundred dollars back. Uh, we'll go into odds more as they come up. We'll go into the uh, you know whatever to one odds. You might hear some six to four. You might hear some eighty two to five. I saw was one of them. It was like a plus eight fifty or eight twenty five. I had to do that <laughs> quick, but it's gonna. It might get a little complicated. We will do our best to keep it as easy and basic as it is. But the shorthand is the shorter or smaller the number the better the chances Vegas or any gambling book gives that movie or performance to win in its category. We all set? Was that good enough? Was that clear enough? Yeah, let's let's do this. And let's start with Best Picture. The Fablemans is out front, and I want to get 
where your head's at, David, with how strong a favorite is that plus 120, because the Fablemans kind of took a backseat after the festivals. It's It's been laying in wait as the quote-unquote early frontrunner after TIFF. So, so what do you think in terms of its candidacy? Yeah, I mean, I just want to say, and I want to make very clear to your listener just how strong a frontrunner the Fablemans is. This is a very short price in November. I mean, the books are essentially fa- saying it's the Fablemans, and good luck if you think otherwise, because it's it, it's a short, short price, and we will go through the odds on the episode. But for reference, and I think it's important, last year, believe it or not, I keep a record of the gambling <laughs> odds every year. Like This is the kind of low life I am. Um, <clears throat> well, I, my true. first thought was, oh, it's such a good idea. So you're in good yeah. company. So I ahead. track them and I'm like, yeah. at two o'clock in the morning, I'm like, good God, the Fablemans has moved from nine to two to four to one. You I've sh- got to get my money on. Can you share that Google document with <laughs> yeah, two people? Yeah, that's actually a really good idea. We should be doing that. But yeah, I'm glad you did. Go ahead. What we got? It's... It's a roller coaster, but essentially the 12th of December uh, last year, Belfast was the front runner, but it was seven to two, plus so plus three fifty. West Side Story was five to one, and the Power of the Dog was seven to one. The eventual winner was Coda at thirty three to one. But what I'm trying to say is the front runner was plus three fifty a month earlier this year. And the Fablemans is plus 120. And in some books in the UK, it's even money, meaning you bet $100, you win $100, you get 200 back. This is a strong, strong favorite. Like Vegas essentially expect the Fablemans to win at the moment. That's where they're at. Or they just don't want you making money on it. Mm. I mean, well, it, it's smart that way, right? Because if you're, I want to say you're probably never going to get a better price for it, but, I mean, it is a Spielberg picture. We've seen, Mike and I just talked about this on a recent episode. We've seen him go down this road before where he's entrenched as one of the favorites and he ends up fading down the stretch, so maybe you will get a better number on it, but by the time you do, this movie could be well out of the running. And, look, from the red carpet premieres, The Fableman, again, I will say, has played differently in the theater than it did at TIFF or at a film festival. It's not this universally beloved property, at least not Mm. from the uh, experts that we follow, Mike. I think it should have been called the Spielbergs. I wonder if the fact that this is called the Fablemans <laughs> might work against it. Like it's like what? Why wouldn't you just call it the Spielbergs? You would have the gravitas of telling this legendary director's story without any barrier whatsoever. So now this movie comes out in, during our American Thanksgiving, and what is it going to do at the box office? Forty million dollar budget should be primed for some profits, you would think. But we've seen a lot of these specialty. Uh, you know, Oscars contender type fair not do well. Tar, Banshees. Now we're looking at uh, the bigger of the best picture contenders. If it doesn't, if it doesn't shine, Michael, I wonder if you might get a better price a couple weeks from now. And this may be going the way of West Side Story because you're right. I'm seeing a couple of red flags and how people are receiving it. Would you bet this right now, Dave? I, I, I haven't told you this. I've already backed it. Um, what, what price I, um, did you get? I got uh, f- seven to two, so plus three fifty. I um, like that. A, I, I mean, back- well, that goes without saying. I like that a lot more than plus one twenty. But yeah, that's that's about. If I could get four to one on it, plus four hundred, plus three fifty, I would feel more comfortable. I don't know that there's any value in Vegas. Again, isn't dumb. They're going to take the value out of the front runners and out of the favorites. Yeah. And there could be some recency bias baked into this price as well because they know it's about to drop, and only the mm. you know certain critics have seen it thus far. Maybe this yeah. does fade a little bit. So if you're going to hedge it with Top Gun, David, oh, how much Christ. how much money 
How much money are we talking? Like, if I put five hundred dollars on Top Gun, how much do I need to put on the Fable? Give me three hundred and let me kick you in the nuts. <laughs> and it's the same. I thing. mean, this is this is this this is like Einstein level maths for me. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but, but 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 essentially, with the Fablemans, I saw the Fablemans at like six seven to one plus six hundred plus seven hundred, and I was like, that's a good price, but I'm I'm not sure I want to get involved yet. When I saw the line come down to plus three fifty, I thought. That's it. I'm in. I've got my money down. And look, come Oscars Sunday, I can balance the books. If if there's another film that comes down in price, I can put a bit of money on there, hedge out. The aim, the ultimate aim, is not to lose anything. Mm. Um, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> That's how Mike bets too, right, Mike? That's how you bet. Don't don't lose, right? Responsibly. Responsibly. <laughs> is yes. But but Mike one's absolutely spot on. You know, Vegas and and the bookies over here in the UK, they're making it a very short price. November plus what was it? Plus one twenty. I mean, that may look a good yeah. price come Oscars Sunday, but it's short enough. You know, I mean. But the thing is, is and we'll come on to it. What beats it? You know, good luck. <laughs> You got, it's a leap of faith. But, I mean, you could have said the same thing last year, like you just said, Dave. You know, Lakota wasn't even really in the conversation at plus 3,300 or 33-1, 3, to 1, and it ends up winning. So you don't really know. Basically, if you're betting at this point, you're looking for that kind of long shot that you can find. Yeah. Yeah, if you can find some value, yeah, in some of the long shots, um, it's, it's good to have some money down early because, again, you can hedge off uh, come Oscars Sunday. We can move on. The second highest favorite right now in the Best Picture category is Babylon, the Damien Chazelle forthcoming film starring Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie there, plus 500 or 5 to 1. Mike, what do we think? All right, just a quick question for David, because this just got its first reception. Is this recency bias, this type of odd? Because this was the mystery box for a long time, Babylon. Now that we know it's got polarizing, divisive reception, plus 500 seems way too short, no? Oh, yeah, I totally agree. I think um, I've been looking through a lot of pundits and some of them don't even have it in their top 10. You know, it's it's crazy. Um, it has drifted a little bit. Like I said, I do monitor the books and five to one, it's drifted out to eight to one, so plus 800. Mm. It's a little bit weak. And those polarizing receptions are worrying. If you think about best picture and the preferential ballot, okay, look, it may be high on some ballots, but if it's going to be low, low, low on others, if it gets nominated, that's going to make it struggle. And yeah, look, Babylon was something that I was tempted to back months and months and months ago. And I'm glad I didn't, because when I saw the trailer and I saw Margot Robbie potentially fighting a rattlesnake, I thought, <laughs> it, it looks great, and I'm sure it's going to be a hell of a roller coaster. but is that a Best Picture winner? Those kind of films don't tend to fare well. So no, not plus 500, plus 800, I wouldn't be back in Babylon. Not for me. I like the price. I mean, if you get it five to one, and it is a Damien Chazelle movie, he does have being beaten out for La La Land. First Man has turned into something that people love to say was overlooked, even though they had every opportunity to not overlook it in 2018 when it originally mm. came out. But it's kind of been become one of those cult award favorites as time has gone on here, even though it was nominated for four awards and only won one Oscar. Um, mm-hmm. I am intrigued by five. I, w- I would be much more likely to put money on Babylon at five to one than I would be at uh, right now to put anything on the Fablemans at six to five. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not feeling Babylon for a Best Picture. The Wolf of Wall Street, all the Tarantino movies. Yes, Martin Scorsese won for The Departed, which was like a filthy hard R. But typically, the filthy hard R movie with all the drug abuse and stuff that that's a rare 
win. I'm trying to think But it back. is the Hollywood movie about Hollywood, and nobody cares that Brad Pitt is embroiled in scandal. I they mean, don't. I wouldn't even say he's embroiled in scandal anymore, right? As, does anyone care? He's on stages, dropping microphones, being charming. I'm, I'm again, debating whether or not I want to bet Babylon right now is what I'm doing in my head because I just think it's a, it might be a wise bet out of any of these, but we can move on. <laughs> the uh, next favorite here, six to one, just outside of Babylon's five to one, is something that does not have recency bias attached to it. It's a longstanding critic favorite, longstanding darling of 2022. Everything, everywhere, all at once, plus 600, Michael. So there's a movie called Primary Colors. Aaron Sorkin <laughs> wrote it, and there's a, there's a point during the movie where I think uh, John Travolta playing Bill Clinton goes, that's just good politics. And it was about having a blood drive, having a blood drive associated with, that's just really good politics. And every time I see a pundit or a fan or anybody talking about everything everywhere all at once, they talk about a campaign that has dazzled them. They talk about a Michelle Yeoh that has just been the, just the, the lighten up every room she's in or a Jamie Lee Curtis that's doing great on the campaign trail. It just seems like people are very happy with everything everywhere all at once. Obviously, the box office was huge. So, Michael, I'm thinking like if, if I'm looking at a price here for a Best Picture winner, we saw the Best Picture winner come out of August last year. Why not? Why not? the spring this year with everything everywhere this is one of the two i would sprinkle something on if i were a gambling man or somebody that had access to gambling money or disposable <laughs> income uh look this is doing a couple of things that you want a best picture to do right it's rock the box office it's going to have contenders in major categories mm-hmm. uh if it were going to fall off just because it was a spring release it would have done so by now it's not going to fall off in mid-November, going into the holidays. Hmm. I mean, if anything else, with the DVD and secondary market and secondary watching and all that and the FYC campaigns coming out in full force, this could get a whole new second life a couple weeks from now that we don't even know or are ready for yet. But All, all they have to do is just sell some hot dog fingers for Christmas. Right? For real. <laughs> I mean, for real. And Jamie Lee Curtis has to be interviewed more on TV. And you can talk <laughs> about Halloween and eat, segue right into everything everywhere. It, there's. It's also worth noting in a couple of books, I've seen everything everywhere have better odds than Babylon right now. Wow. Which, if you're going to talk about Babylon's 5-1 to one being too short and a recency bias, that, I think, to me, speaks to the strength of this being 6-1. to one. Uh, Dave, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think everywhere, all at once, you have to take incredibly seriously. This is a film that I haven't seen yet, and I'm sort of happy about that because I'm keeping it up my sleeve because I, I want to watch it, and I'm probably going to watch it this week, actually. We've got it on Sky Movies over here. Um, mm. But Craig would not shut up about this. Like he was going on and on. Like David, watch this film. Have you seen this film yet? And I'm like, oh, give me a break. But he had a point. Like he was, and he said to me, he said, I think this could have award season legs, and I think it does. And it seems to have like a loud fan base. And yeah, look, look, I think I think six to one is is a very interesting price. I I wouldn't back it myself now because I haven't seen it. But once I've seen it, if I like it. I might be sprinkling at sixes. I think I think that's a fair price. Let's take a handful of the next three films kind of in order here. These are 10, 11, and 12 to 1, respectively. Women Talking, plus 1,000. Tar at plus 1,100. She Said at plus 1,200 or 12 to 1. Dave, tell me about Women Talking. Look, I think you have to take this film very seriously. I think um, it's a real powerhouse film in terms of performances. There's so many good performances. It the, the, the story is heartbreaking. Uh, it's brilliantly directed. Uh, I think the director's going to be a, probably, or in my opinion, is the, the the biggest threat to Steven Spielberg, and we'll come on to director later. Um, 
I've obviously seen Woman Talking. I saw it at the London Film Festival. Uh, I th- I think that's a good price. And look, there's a there's a narrative that people can get behind with the subject matter. And yeah, I, I was a big fan of this. I really really look forward to the rewatch. Um, because once I knew the destination where the film landed, I'd like to go back and analyse the journey a bit more. Very script heavy, so I could see it doing well in, in one of the screenplay categories and brilliant performances from four, five, six uh, actors there. So, yeah, very interesting at 10 to 1 to me. Women Talking is one that we were in on early too, Mike, with our uh, way too early Oscars uh well, I, I always fumble in the words. When I go in, it's March and April. I know how to that show what that show is titled. When it's Our November, 100%. December, I have no clue what it's called. One hundred percent, way too early Oscars prediction. Thank you, sir. Right, one hundred percent accurate. Yes, yes, because we are, of course. No, women talking, David. I didn't realize you saw this one. So I, let me let me ask you a couple quick questions. Were the were any production values Oscars worthy in in your mind? I mean, the cinematography is gorgeous. Um, the cost the costumes. You know, it's, it's a period, I, you know, it's it, the costumes were great, um, but it's the performances really in the screenplay that stands out. Um, the performances really were very, very good. And it's going to be interesting to see where people are campaigned. I know there's a little bit where we'll stick this actress in, in lead and we'll go supporting here. But I think, look, this could this could have a really like solid foundation for a Best Picture campaign, you know, with a screenplay, with a cinematography with an you know a couple of acting nominations mm. so I, I think it's interesting and i really enjoyed it I, you know i really enjoyed it i think uh i think vegas has said a few lines before they've they've made these odds before in their past <laughs> because all three of these films women talking tar and she said they deal with the same subject matter mm. of course the hollywood industry is ready to champion one of these films or one of these storylines going against you know, sexual assault in the business, mm. certainly after the Me Too movement, they got to be ready to make that issue movie statement at some point in the Academy. Now, will one of these three films get it? Will they kind of vote share and none of them will get it because all three of them are, are indeed strong by all accounts? I've mm. seen Tar and She Said. Now, I wouldn't expect Tar or She Said to win. So that maybe if you're telling me women talking is perhaps more palatable as a best picture winner, that makes some sense. I tend to walk away from best picture winners of the past. And I say like, that could do it. Like, do you, did you have any of that radar? Was that on your radar? Like we've seen issue movie best picture wins in the recent past as well. But did you come away saying, oh, that could definitely do it? Yes. Yeah. Um, You did. I I obviously came away with the performances as like the highlight, but I just thought as an overall piece, it felt very best picture. Um, Forgive me if I get his name wrong. Is it it Ben Wishaw? Um, Yes. Yeah. I I mean, I haven't studied the supporting categories that much, but I would be flabbergasted if he's not nominated. His performance, uh, Ben Wishaw, in, in that film was incredible. And he's such a key character in that film. Uh, I thought he was tremendous, so I'll be looking forward to seeing what the odds are on him winning supporting actor, and if they're decent, I'll be getting stuck in. But yeah, I think it's a legitimate best picture camp, uh, best picture contender for all the reasons you've outlined, and I look forward to hearing your views on it when you see it. There's a combination of things that you both are saying, which is why I think I might sprinkle something on She Said, even though Mike just said it, he doesn't feel like it's a best picture nominee uh, or a best picture winner, and that's, again, due to... I mean, it's a conventional piece. 
It's very of the moment and culturally appropriate. It attacks not only the sub, the correct subject matter, but it has an easy narrative that can form behind it and write itself into a best picture category. Carrie Mulligan has all kinds of momentum right now because she was officially announced as going supporting in that category. Yeah. If the screenplay can take hold as well, you're dealing with two noms right there and Mulligan in the screenplay that are going to be major factors within two big six categories. I don't know what more you would need to have something that could be a best picture. And again, you're talking about just trying to find a long shot that could sneak its way and mm-hmm. find the coda road to a best picture win. The Weinstein tale is an easy one to to grab something like the Academy, I think. And that's why I think she said would be the other one. I know I said there were two uh, movies that I would sprinkle something on. Everything everywhere all at once was my first. And she said would be my second. I would be delighted if a tar or a she said and sight unseen, a women you worried talking. about tar. I'm a little worried about Tart since it did so poorly at the box office. Yes. It was lousy box office once it expanded wide. wide. It was great box office, New York and L.A., and then once it went wide, poof, now it's on VOD. That's my worry, in fact, for She Said. If this thing is a blip in theaters, it's going to really need a second life yep. when it hits what? Peacock? Is this a Universal? I forget. But I believe... Focus, I think you're right. Yeah, is you it don't. Focus? All right, so they typically delay the, the old... Uh, streaming release at focus but i am worried that these films will not have a lot of momentum in theaters which again opens the door back up for everything everywhere top gun maverick etc i know we don't want to indulge in all those too much but look at something funny yeah it's a plan b movie brad pitt's production company and it is universal right that's what i thought (laughs) anyway i i uh I'm rooting for those three, and I'm intrigued that they all have similar odds, and I'm wondering how the industry is going to deal with that, how the the creme de la creme of the industry, how they're going to parse through those three films that, that all three of them delivered. So, I mean, that's the good news. So those are the odds inside 12 to 1. We get a little further now as we go down the list here. The Woman King sits at plus 1,400. Banshees of Inishirin at plus 1,600 or 16 to 1. Bardo is 16 to 1, uh, all the way up to 25 to 1 in some UK books, according to David here. Empire of Light is plus 1,600. Amsterdam, also 1,600. Do not do not put money on this. <laughs> uh, poor thing, 1,600. The Sun is 18 to 1. So Poor Things is not even getting a 2022 release. Bardo, Empire of Light, The Sun, and especially Amsterdam have all been hammered by critics. Uh, why does Vegas do this, uh, David? Is just this just the sucker bet section? Money, I know- money, money, money! <laughs> How yeah. drunk are betters at these casinos when they oh. look at these odds and they just... yeah. Very drunk is the answer. Um, I mean, you have to take, let me be honest, you would have to take some seriously strong, mind-altering substance to even consider betting Amsterdam. But at plus 1,600, I mean, stop the world, I'm getting off. That's an insult, really. That's a ludicrous price for a film that's just not getting nominated, not winning. And essentially, the books Vegas do this. They slip these films in because they know, look, if they can get 20 bucks here, $10 there on people chucking a bit, it's just free money. You know, mm-hmm. and and you, I see it every single year where they put a supporting actor in in the lead category because they they know people will put on. I see them put films that are not coming out until the next year. Um, you know, and and it's essentially the sucker bet, free money. So be careful before you put your money down. Check the films coming out and is eligible for this year. Check your betting in the right category because giving the bookies free money is not the plan. That's not the aim, guys. You do that often enough if you gamble like uh, like we do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's sage advice. Very wise. (laughs) 
from a veteran gambler there. Um, we, <laughs> anyway. have, we have not gotten to the also Mike special yet, which mm-hmm. is going to be Top Gun Maverick, which sits at 20 to 1 or plus 2,000. There's other movies in that range too. White Noise, 13 Lives, Nope is 25 to 1. Don't Worry Darling is 25 to 1, all the way up to 80 to 1. You can find a Triangle of Sadness, 25 to 1. Elvis sitting at 35 to 1, which is a little intriguing, but go ahead, Mike. Look Top it. Gun Maverick. Look it. I mean, the Banshees of Sharon, I meant to address that for a second. Plus 1,600, That that is, I guess if you're going to sprinkle, it makes a little sense. Mm-hmm. I do not see the Banshees of Sharon being a contender there. I see Top Gun Maverick being a contender, and I'm not alone. I've been saying this for months. You can, Nobody listens to me. Or maybe, maybe people listen to me, but... <laughs> <laughs> I I would put I would sprinkle some money on Top Gun Maverick. Is it would... going to win double digit Oscars, Mike? No, it's not going to win okay. double digit. Then it's Oscars. not going to win best it, picture. It is the best movie of it's the year not gonna by a picture. lot, by a lot. It has been a stupid year of film poop. Other than Top Gun Maverick, <laughs> give, nobody give me four hundred and fifty dollars and take fifty and have us have a nice night out. It's the same ending for you mm. and that five hundred. Last year, I said Coda in August. I said it. Yes. I said it on you the said podcast. said the nice, fun, feel-good movie from yeah. the streamer that was mm-hmm. making waves. You didn't say the box office king <laughs> that's not going to be nominated in any other major category. Look, only three times mm-hmm. since 1988 has the highest film So it's happened three times? You tell me it's happened three yes. times. Yes, yes. Would you like to hear how many Oscars those other films won, Mike? <laughs> Can you name them? I bet you can name them. What are the other two films? Titanic, for sure. That's one. Won 11 Oscars. Uh, 1989 Titanic? was Rain Man. 1989 okay. was Rain Man. I'll take that one. Titanic, Titanic, Titanic is one. I don't. What's I the don't, other don't, one? I don't know. Yes, you do. I, yes, you do. You I do. Dwarf loving, Elvin loving, the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Which also won 11 Oscars. So the only time the highest grossing movie of the year has won Best Picture in the last 30 years has been an Oscars dynamo Mm. that's been nominated 13 times Mm. or 11 times and won 11 Oscars. That's not Top Gun Maverick. It should be. That's all I'll say. (laughs) It's Uh, it's 20 to 1, man. (laughs) This is an intriguing section, a much more intriguing section than the last section because, guys, I think there are some sleepers here for nomination not really for wins necessarily but 13 lives is an intriguing candidate if there's a dark horse for for a nomination i would not be surprised because this is a big fat down the middle hit with people that i talk to number one people that you talk to mike and I mean, it's made by a son of Hollywood, quote-unquote, Ron Howard. Mm-hmm. There are very good performances involved. If Amazon puts serious money behind it, I wouldn't be shocked if it got a nomination. Now, we're talking about winning this category. Would I put money on it? Absolutely not. Like, nope. Maybe a chance in hell. Elvis, Triangle of Sadness, maybe a chance in hell. White Noise, I don't think so. I think it's a little too, you know, goo- you know it's, it's, it's not going to win Best Picture. Save your money, right, David, at this point? Mm-hmm. Save your money. Was that the question? Yeah. I mean, if you're this far down on the list, you're better off just saving your pocketing the cash, no? I mean, yeah. I mean, look, it's tempting, and there is a narrative, and I was shocked to see Feinberg has Top Gun at number two. Clayton, what if it hits, David? What if it hits? Clayton, Talk to me, Goose. Clayton Talk has, to me, Goose. Clayton has it at four. What if it hits? I mean, 20 to 1 mm-hmm. is an intriguing price, but I don't think it's big enough. Look, if this was like 33 to 1, 40 to 1, I might like chuck 10 quid on it, you know, $10 or whatever. I think I think Mike One's absolutely spot on. 
it feels like if Top Gun Maverick is going to win Best Picture, it has to, like, win a lot of Oscars elsewhere. What's the second Oscar it's going to win? Well, that's the question. What is, what is the, what oh, is the surefire Oscar it's going to win? Oh, it's definitely winning some Oscars. Definitely. Okay, which one? It's, <laughs> give me that category. It's going to win editing. Wow. <laughs> you think so? Yes, because the muscular, these, the yes, last year was Dune, was it? And it was Ford v. Ferrari before that, and it was the freaking girl with the dragon tattoo. The muscular I'm not against films. it winning editing. I can see it, but like, sound? I don't think it's a slam it dunk. Win, it could win it sound. It could win sound, sure. Hold on, i got, I got to go to my hunch section now. It's winning Oscars. <laughs> Top Gun Maverick is winning Oscars. Film editing and sound design is where I said uh, a month ago when I prepared this document, I would I would put money. Those are my hunches mm. for Top Gun Maverick for sure. Now, original song was probably a hunch a while back for Lady Gaga, but since then Rihanna's kind of stumped her in a way. But it's win. It's oh, it's winning. <laughs> Tom Cruise. Don't don't count him out either. Yeah, yeah, well, look, I think we'll get on to actor, but I think if, if Top Gun Maverick's <laughs> going to be a serious picture contender, then Tom Cruise has to be involved. I mean... I agree with that. I, I saw a lot of articles a few... might have been a month or so ago about making the Oscars cool again. Now, I don't know what the hell that actually means, like, but Top Gun Maverick being a legitimate Oscars contender, having smashed the box office... Like, that's cool. Like, people would enjoy that. The average cinema goer would be like, wow, Top Gun Mavericks could win Best Picture. I, I don't know. I mean, the fact that Feinberg has it at two is baffling. I mean, what does he know? Like, does this guy have some inside info here? It's it's intriguing. Mm-hmm. That is high for that film. I mean, here's here's the road. Here's the road, right? And it's not out of the realm of possibility. You The, the Fablemans it has a tepid reception. Babylon has a tepid reception. She said, or not she said, I'm sorry, Women Talking has a tepid reception. Emancipation is, is too polarizing because of Will Smith right now. Mm. Um, and and Killers of the Flower Moon isn't a surprise release by Apple. Like, okay, if all those things happen, which they could, I mean, then you'd have to have momentum for Top Gun Maverick to be taken more seriously in categories like Best Actor. Mm-hmm. So, like, what David said, I agree with. That that has to happen. And if that happens, then sure, Top Gun could become this six- or seven-time Oscar winner. And then, yeah, Mike gets to live his dream. I just <laughs> don't want him to be happy. I mean, the path, as we talk about the quote-unquote path, is simple. It's PGA. Top Gun Maverick wins the PGA. I think I think PGA could go for Top Gun Maverick because mm-hmm. it made the producers a lot of money. And it made the producers think that theatrical was a was a. Ma- I mean, in this particular time, this is a unique time for movie going. Top Gun saved movie theaters. Top Gun rejuvenated that movie narrative. theaters. If, if the Academy, which they have not yet, but if they wanted to make this year about saving movie theaters, mm. then yeah, they can. That's an easy. I agree. That's an easy narrative to get behind. It will be the coolest Oscars since 1986. So just be ready for that. If Tom Cruise is in the best actor race, they have to wheel a couch out onto the stage, don't they? And just like motion to him, be like, huh? You, yeah, you, couch? We're going through too slow, Michael, but go Yeah, we got, all right. I mean, I don't, do you guys want to go with these uh, plus 5,000 odds here? Yeah, let's talk about a couple of them. Uh, right. Avatar Way of Water is down here at 50 to 1 right now. That's intriguing to me, at least. Blonde is uh, sharing it, and so is the whale, actually, at plus five. Thousands, the Northmen as well, Bones and all, and uh, there's some other ones like Spaceman, like The Killer, which are not coming out this year. At least we don't think they're coming out, or not scheduled to come out. That are down here as well at fifty to one. David, David, David is the whale a best picture contender in your mind? 
Okay, so look, my original thought was no. Um, you know, I was thinking mm-hmm. no nomination, no win, no chance. But let's see mm. how it's received by the public and just how much of a steamroller Fraser could be this award season. Can it win Best Picture? No, I, I don't think it's got a chance in hell. Could it be nominated, you know, sneak, you know, what, come Oscar nominations day, when we've all got like our solid 7, 8, and we're thinking about what the hell do I put in at 9, 10, that's where I think the whale could could slip in for sure. Um, and the reason I say that is because a lot of the films that are ahead of it in the betting have had this mixed response, and I think that's where the whale sneaks in. But a lot will depend on how much of a, you know, does if, if Fraser just steamrolls the season... I think that gives the whale a better chance of a picture nomination. Avatar: The Way of Water used to be intriguing to me, but the more I think about that, Michael, it's yes, it's the last mystery box, but that's just a mystery box that's available to us. Just don't go for that hook. You're betting on Avatar One's best picture success if you're putting money on Avatar Two right mm. now, right? And now with this latest, this last group, Armageddon Time, Black Panther. Uh, I want to dance with somebody, Glass Onion, all at sixty five hundred plus sixty five hundred. Like we Nine might have, well. we might have sprinkled on Wakanda Forever, mm. thinking you know why not? Because that's film. If it if it's right, it's great, and it was good. It was right. It was just it was good. But there's no way Wakanda Forever is winning Best Picture, correct? There's usually not that big of a disconnect between Clayton and Scott rankings and these odds sixty five to one. I'm that's shockingly high. I don't think Wakanda Forever is like a best picture threat. Mm. I think it's a threat to be nominated, though, as we talked about in our review. Dave, you don't think so? I mean, look, Wakanda Forever, 66 to 1. I, I would have it priced up more like 33 to 1. So would I. Um, yeah, I think 25. 66 is a big price. Again, we're tight for time, obviously, but you, there's a narrative. We all know the narrative that we can push for... Um, for Wakanda Forever. What I would say briefly is I remember when the first Black Panther film came out, the odds were shortening and shortening and shortening on Oscar Sunday. There was a real feeling that Black Panther could be a legitimate Best Picture contender. Obviously, we don't know where it finished on the ballot, how close it was. If Panther's going to do it, it has to be like it's come out. It's probably come out too early. I can't. I can't see it. It's a, it's an appealing price, but I don't think you'd win. I don't think it'll win Picture No. Uh, the only other thing of note to suggest here in Best Picture, I've seen RRR in one book at 25 mm. to 1. I have not seen it in others. I think otherwise we have pretty much uh, captivated the Best Picture uh, Well, where's Pinocchio, Pinocchio, no? Well, we have, we have, I have not seen Pinocchio. <laughs> Robert the Zemeckis is out is... there. Uh, you know, <laughs> Men is out there. The Gray Man is out there. Lightyear is out Come there. On. Those are all 100 to 1 or more. Mm. Any thoughts on either on anything with that, or can go to lead actress? Old people will just like make mistakes when they bet. Is that what it is? <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I have to say, you know, light year, a hundred to one. I mean, that's a disgrace. Look, I'll offer you ten thousand to one. Give me a call. <laughs> I'll take your money. Look, if light year wins picture, you're not getting paid. But let's 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 do it Ten thousand to one give me a call hit me up on twitter Ten thousand to one light year i'm, I'm here for it it's, it's, a, it's ludicrous i don't know why they price those up but you know how you don't have your own uh article entitled long odds at this point is a crime david is this <laughs> yeah that's good 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 point that's a good coinage 
But like, is this a front for money laundering? Is that what it is? The gangsters are no, laundering it's money. It's exactly what David said. It's if you're going to be dumb enough to give us twenty bucks to put on it, we'll take mm. it. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, why not? You know, you could. It's 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 insane and it's unfair. I mean, a hundred to one is it? That's an atrocious price. It's a disgraceful price. Yeah, it is. It's, it's protection. I mean, they've, it's built-in protection for the banks or the books just in case something goes haywire <laughs> and Buzz Lightyear gets that huge best picture push in the 11th hour, you know? Uh, uh, You're right. Man. It's an unfair price on both sides. All right, Michael. Lead actress. We'll start with Kate Blanchett of Tar. She is plus 175. And I got to say, the odds for this particular category is a bit weird for me. I'm surprised Blanchett is not a heavier favorite. Same. There is some backlash potential for this film eventually. I realize that the film hasn't hit mainstream America quite as as I th- hoped. I wondered if she was more of a festival fad. It is an actor's actor performance. It's not the showy performance that you would have thought we were getting. Is it Daniel Day-Lewis level? I don't know, but I think it's pretty superb to take uh, borrow a word that my friend uses better than I. But look at I'm thinking these odds are weird because, like, Michelle Yeoh is not not right on her heels. But first of all, what what do you guys think of Blanchett? Look, Blanchett, I've been of all the books that have been open of all the four books, the best actress one is the most intriguing because the favorite, you know, Blanchett a couple of weeks ago was like plus three hundred. There has been a bit of money recently for her, and that line has shortened up. But then you look in behind; it's a wide open race. I haven't seen the film yet, so I I, I can't sort of weigh in with my hard-earned dollars yet. But she she's a strong enough favourite. Um, but she, it's that kind of favourite where it looks vulnerable. It's not like we'll get on to Brendan Fraser that's, like, strong, you know. You know, cut, you know mm, it, it, mm. it looks vulnerable. And at the prices, some of the people in behind um, are certainly interesting. Um, so, yeah, I th- <laughs> that's a category, believe it or not, I probably wouldn't bet on at the moment. And that's saying something because I mm. like to bet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a world in which Blanchette is the Glenn Close from the life of this yep. year and that she's the lone representation of her. Look, it's it's not right now because Tar's in a lot of top fives from like Clayton and, and Scott, but there's a world in which Todd Field is bumped from the directing five. There's a world. Nina Haas is probably already outside of the supporting actress five. The screenplay is probably battling right now to stay in original screenplay five. Mm. And even if it is in, it's probably healthily behind everything, everywhere, and the Fablemans already. I don't think Tar is like the slam dunk best picture nom everyone thinks it is. And if it doesn't get those other big six noms, yeah, Blanchett could absolutely be upset. I I agree with Dave. I don't think she's entrenched as much as Brendan Fraser is at this Mm. point. And I like, I mean, there are some intriguing odds behind her. The first of which, Margot Robbie is maybe surprising. It, look, it depends on the book you look at. You can either say it's Michelle Yeoh is in second place or Margot Robbie. We'll talk about Margot Robbie for Babylon first at plus 500, Dave. Yeah, look, that's that. I, I'm looking forward to seeing that film. That's an interesting price. When these books first opened and I was. Uh, looking at the Oscars, literally a few days after the last Oscars, Margot Robbie was like on my on high on my list of watch mm-hmm. watch out for Margot Robbie. It, it's a good price, you know, and it's a fair price. It, I haven't seen the film yet, but it's like it's that it's such, it, from the trailer. It looks like such a crazy, intense performance. You know, is it something that people will get behind? I don't know. Um, we'll have to see. But look, five to one is fair enough, and. Uh, I'm now tempted to bet on this category. <laughs> I'm terrible. <laughs> well, we'll 
Will her odds go? Uh, will shorten or drift if she defeats the rattlesnake? Well, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> let's gamble on who wins: the snake or Margot Robbie. Like, yes, I would. L- I'm not even lying. I would legitimately bet on that. Uh, and that's that's just the truth. <laughs> you know, that is genuinely the truth. Michelle Yeoh. Again, there's. A, I've looked at a couple books, so I'm trying to take this as as best I can. Michelle Yeoh is probably the most consistent next name. At plus 700, you might be able to find her a little shorter. You might be able to find her a little longer, but she's there. Olivia Coleman from Empire of Light. I've seen her as low as 6-1, to one, as high as 12-1. to one. Viola Davis of the Woman King, I've seen as high as 12-1, uh, to 10-1, to 12-1 to one in that range. That's the next kind of grouping of three, depending on how you want to handle Michelle Yeoh, who's probably above the other two names listed, Mike. I would love to see Viola Davis get nominated. It is very rare for an action hero performance to win this award in either lead actor or actress category. You got to go back to Russell Crowe mm. and Gladiator pretty much to find the 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 most recent example uh, of a winner from a hardcore action movie. So I I would be surprised and she's an awesome action hero, Viola Davis in The Woman King. Now Michelle Yeoh's got some of that and everything everywhere all at once, but that's such mm. a versatile performance. Olivia Coleman, Viola Davis, Kate Blanchett, I get it. Like, what's the imperative to vote them in after they've won already? Michelle Yeoh has that driving force behind her, and she's played it perfectly up till now with her campaign. You could say something similar, at least in terms of the impetus for Michelle Williams, Michael, but I just feel like Michelle Yeoh makes sense this year if there's going to be a challenger, and I'm glad you found different odds than I did because I was weirded out. I was like, how the hell, Davis, how the hell are Davis and uh, Coleman shorter? Yeah, this. I think part of uh, Dave's hesitation to bet this is that the books are so varied in a lot of different yeah. uh, potential winners with this because you mentioned Michelle Williams. I scroll down. I forgot. Her odds are actually shorter than most of those. And again, it's Michelle Yeoh's could be shorter than Michelle Williams, depending on what book you're looking at, et cetera. But Michelle Williams is usually pretty entrenched below or shorter than 10 to 1, five, plus 500, plus 800. Anna de Armas, you can find her between 600 and 10 to 1. Danielle Deadwiley, you can find at 8 to 1. You can find at 10 to 1. I've seen her at 12 to 1. Dave, go in any direction you want with any of the previous six names. It's kind of a mishmash in the middle here for lead actress. I've changed my mind. I will be gambling on this category. <laughs> and, <laughs> he was placing bets while you were talking. Uh, well, Mike. I've got the iPad here. I legitimately could. No, let me let me tell you my reason. I've, we've we've got some of the rankings here. Gold Derby have Yo at two. Uh, Feinberg has Michelle Yo at one, and Variety's Clayton Davis has Michelle Yo at one as well. It's like. Okay, so we've got her at two, one, and one. I'm seeing plus seven hundred, seven to one. That that's a that that seems like a legitimately good bet. And obviously, you get your money down at seven to one. If she shortens up, you can then lay a bit of money off elsewhere. So yeah, and particularly if um, everything, everywhere, all at once is going to be this legitimate best picture contender. There's easily a narrative mm-hmm. for her to do well. And if you've got pundits putting her at number one. The front runner at seven to one. Give me some of that action. Once we hit, once we stop yeah. recording, I uh, I may be contacting my bookie. <laughs> that's I. My, that's my thought too. I like both Michelles. I like Yo. I like Michelle yeah. Williams. Even though the Fablemans again hasn't been this like universally beloved property, I I don't love Anna de Armas mm. at all. I would avoid that yeah. like the plague that I had and suffered for for two weeks. Mike, you saw Till Daniel Deadweiler here is this like eight to one, ten to one range. What do we think? 
Well, I think the performance is very strong. I would not begrudge a nomination at all. At all, she does something though during the movie that's a little bizarre. Like I don't know if this, she's taking it from archival footage or what, but she flutters her eye and twitches her eyelid closed for at least ten full seconds. That felt like forty-five full <laughs> seconds. That moved very slow. It almost felt like. 10 minutes worth of screen time where she's just fluttering her eye. I've never seen an acting choice like this ever. It was the strangest acting choice I've ever seen. And I wonder if this is going to work on the acting branch, perhaps. I wonder if, you know, because they like the go broke, go bigger, go home kind of choice. Can you, can you make it work? I mean, her voice kind of fluctuates weirdly throughout the performance as well. I mean, it, it's a much better movie than I ever thought possible. Like, Chinonye Chuku tells an impossible story with Till and it works and oh my god it's emotional and it's and it's. I, I was a big fan. I was, again, better movie than it had any right to be based on the subject matter that should have been too heavy to deal with, right? Should have been, like mm-hmm. everybody should have been numb to the to the subject matter, and yet it's a beautiful, beautiful, uh, beautifully told movie. Till Danielle Deadweiler, give her a nomination, even despite the fluttering of the uh, of the eyelid. <laughs> <laughs> the but no, she's not going to win. She's not going to win, unfortunately. And that's why, like, I feel like this this category is going to come down to to Yo and Blanchett. Mm. So that's why David David went right there. Like all these ten to one odds here. Yes, they're intriguing for nominations. I just I wonder if this is a t- much more top heavy category than we originally thought. We thought it was a deeper mm. bench because the performances are awesome. It's been a great year for lead actresses. I wonder if this winds up being more top heavy. I think I think Blanchett's got the street cred. I wonder about uh, Olivia Coleman, someone like that, or Margot Robbie crashing the party and getting into the hunt for the for the top tier. But right now, to me, it's Yo versus Blanchett. I don't know. That's just yeah. Me. The the conversation pieces seem to be centered around what's going to fill out the nomination five rather than what's going to win. I agree. It seems like we have like a cutoff as to what's a potential winner as far as like what can like can Sadie Sink make the field for the whale if she if she goes a campaigned and lead actress. Dave, does she have what it takes in that movie to make? I mean, she's eighteen to one or to twenty five to one depending on the book right now. I don't think she has a shot at winning, does she? I mean, she is tremendous in that film. Um, and, and and we will Good. we will probably touch upon that later, and and her character's obviously so important alongside Brendan Fraser. I'd love to see it. Um, I really would. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if she was nominated. I don't know if she's got the sort of legs to win it. Um, she's still very very young, and there's sort of more seasoned campaigners in that category. Um, I, I agree with also Mike. It looks like a bit of a two horse race, and you, those two horses you've got one which is priced up at plus 175 and one which is priced up at plus 700 i know where my one my my money would be and it would be on the bigger price yeah. just for the value and um, obviously there's no value in losing <laughs> so she she still needs to win <laughs> but yeah no um sadie sink is great and we'll, we will touch upon her a bit more later i think there you're dabbling in some wild long shots the further down the list here you go laura dern for the sun can be found as high as 40 to 1 florence Pugh. i'm assuming it's for don't worry darling is in that 16 to 18 to 22 to 1 range but dave you wanted to talk about her performance in the wonder yeah i saw the wonder at the uh, the london film festivals and i'll be honest i think it was one of my favorites of the festival it was a very sort of tense film there was a lot of suspense a really good score, particularly at the end of the film, and I mean a really good score. And Pew feels like sort of the anchor that holds the ship in place. 
her character is so nailed on. It's like she she got the script and she was like, yep, this is my character. And you, you, you just feel like you know her character immediately. It's a strong performance. I was a big fan of this film. Look, I think Florence Pugh's an absolute brilliant actress. I thought she was very good in Don't Worry Darling, which I thought was a pretty troubled affair. But The Wonder's a good film. Um, I believe it certainly came out on Netflix in the UK yesterday or the day before. Um, I would I would check it out. Um, well worth a watch, and Pugh is very, very good. I liked it as well. Yeah, I, I, liked, uh, I liked The Wonder as well. I was surprised that it wasn't as funny as... Uh, I thought it would be. Uh, it, was, it was just not not a barrel of laughs at all. Like I've been, <laughs> it was uh, pretty heavy. Joking at times. constantly. <laughs> it's very heavy. Uh, here I am making inappropriate jokes about it for months, months on end, uh, and none of them uh, will follow through. And I'm embarrassed <laughs> with a red face for all of them. So maybe I should never do that again uh, with a dramatic film that I haven't seen uh, with when the subject matter is vague, Michael. But uh, I know I will not stick to that promise. Uh, and uh, Yes, Florence Pugh, she's she's incredible. Empty words and empty promises from also Mike. You heard it here first. <laughs> uh, as far as rounding out the category here, just to hit on someone that might be your favorite, Jennifer Lawrence has the best odds out of the super long shots, plus 20, 20 to 1 or plus 3,300. She's awesome too, by the way. Yeah, really good performance and cause. And again, but we're talking about people that might fill out the category for nominations, mm. right? You don't think anyone's going to She's not going to win, no. Yeah. Not going to win. I Francis would love McDormand it. Francis from Women Talking, Dakota Johnson, Cha-Cha, Real Smooth, Zoe Saldana, Avatar, Way of Order, and Hathaway from Armageddon Time. Mike, she would have a better chance if she went supporting, maybe. She should have gone supporting. And why isn't she supporting? It makes no sense. Same with uh, Dakota Johnson. That makes no sense. And why is Frances McDormand in the lead category? Because she's the biggest name. She's won it before. But, she, I mean, maybe she's taking one for the team here in a way. Mm. I mean, I know Rooney Mara is is being put forward as the lead from Women Talking. So why isn't Frances McDormand more in the uh, supporting categories? This is kind of a legacy vote, I would guess, in terms of those odds. Sucker. Sucker bet. Another sucker bet here. Yeah, it's that's kind of the uh, the territory you're in down this far, Jessica Chastain, the good news. Uh, the good, good, good nurse. <laughs> uh, leaving that in. Emma Thompson, good luck to you, Leo Grant. I'm a little surprised to see her solo at 35 to 1. I don't know. I mean, it could be one of those dark horse candidates that fell out the category. I don't but know for a nom, right? For a nom. She's not winning. For a nom, she could be there. Uh, Zoe Kazan, if she said... Greta Gerwig, White Noise, Tilda Swinton, 3,000 Years of Longing, 40 to 1, Emma Corrin for Lady Chatterley's Lover at 80 to 1. I love these performances, by the way, but not winning. Mm. No odds for Rooney Mara, Vicky Kreese for Corsage, Leah Seydoux, One Fine Morning, Czar, Amir Ibrahimi of Holy Spider, or Tang Wei of Decision to Leave that we were able to find, unfortunately. David, if you had to make the odds for any one of those... Rooney Mara, for instance, what what are your odds? Guess the odds for Rooney Mara of Women Talking. You saw it. Uh, she would probably slip in. I'm just looking through the book now. Forgive me. I don't know. I'd probably offer you nine, ten to one, maybe a bit bigger. Oh wow! Um, I, look, she that is a legitimately good film, um, and I, and I think it's going to be a contender in a war. I mean, to, to see. Francis McDormand in there is stupid. But let, let me tell you, I've followed the books for the last four or five years. When the bookies sit down, they're mm. like, yeah, let's just stick McDormand in the betting. It's like She's always there, even if she's not even in a film. It's like, yeah, we'll put McDormand <laughs> in. Um, it, it's, it's crazy. But um, and, and one other thing, it's very interesting that the bookies don't price everyone up, you know, because it's like 
well, if we don't offer a price, we can't lose. We and and then they slip them in at a time where they think they can take advantage of people. And look, I mean, mm. I think there's a there's a good chance that the, the the books will put these names in. And if they don't, we'll start a bookie business ourselves. Us three, <laughs> a transatlantic operation with both Americans there and good are. English people giving us their hard-earned cash. I look forward to it. <laughs> Your lips to God's ears. That's coming in 2023, no doubt. The MMO book. Oh, wow, yeah. Uh, hosted by David Long. We'll move on to Best Actor, and this is the one we've talked about a little bit mm. already. There is an entrenched favorite, Brendan Fraser from The Whale. A minus 165 favorite, meaning you'd have to bet $165 to win $100 of profit on that bet. That is an astoundingly short line for this point in the season, but that's how heavy mm. a favorite Brendan Fraser is to win Best Actor. All right, Dave. How good is Brendan Fraser in The Whale? Okay, so for the record, I love Brendan Fraser. George of the Jungle when I was six, The Mummy when I was eight. I remember seeing these films as a child. I love Fraser, and I still love The Mummy as well. I saw an interview the other day with him saying about him coming back, get, get that film made. So I went in with overwhelmingly high expectations. I wanted this performance to be an all-timer, you know, the kind of performance that just wins almost every year. And I don't think it was that. Some years, this hmm. Fraser performance wouldn't win. Um, this year, I think it will. I think he'll win this year. He is very good. It's like it's a side of Fraser we haven't really seen on screen. And his character has moments that just melt and break your heart. And I was, I was thinking his comeback reminds me of Mickey Rourke in The Wrestler, a film I love, mm. by the way. And I was casually chatting with my brother about The Whale. And we got talking about The Wrestler. And I said to him, how on earth did Mickey Rourke not win an Oscar that year? So I looked up the nominees in 2009, and wow, what a year, by the way. Look them up. Ultimately, it was won by Sean Penn in Milk. Astounding performance that couldn't be ignored. And it got me thinking, where is Sean Penn this year? Not literally Sean Penn, the man, but that performance, you know, that performance that cannot be ignored. I don't see it. I don't see a performance that's so good it can't be ignored. I think Fraser's the best of the bunch. And I've backed him as well. Um, I backed him at three to one, nine to four, six to four, five to four, and evens. Like I had a, a moment where I just woke up in bed screaming um, because I realised that I <laughs> I just didn't have enough money on Fraser. I was like, I'm going to be responsible this year, and then I realised that is not who I am. I'm like Jack Skeleton, <laughs> the Pumpkin King, but in Nightmare Before Christmas. I know who I am. I pretended to be Santa Claus, but then I just burst awake and I was like, I, David, the Gambling King. You know, so I I said to myself legitimately, I'm going to keep backing Brendan Fraser until he's even money. Once he goes negative, I'll step away. So I've got a good amount of money on Brendan Fraser. So Lord help me if he doesn't win. <laughs> okay, but do the prosthetics work in the film? Are they distracting at all? We've seen it go both ways previously, even with Academy Award winners like Gary Oldman. Honestly, I was lost for words, and I and I I mean this legitimately. Buckle up. Look, I don't want to spoil this, but be prepared to be shocked, and I mean like seriously shocked. I don't want to overemphasize this, but Fraser, like he's huge. Like I gasped. Those pictures you see of him. Forget them. Like, that trailer mm. where you just see his face, forget it. The reason that trailer's not showing that much is this film is like a shock piece. It's like we're going into this guy's house, boom, there he is. And you're like, I cannot believe it. It's going to divide opinion. I really think it's going to divide opinion. 
Um, and honestly, I can't wait for you guys to review it. I don't think there'll be any middle ground with you two. I think you'll have strong takes, especially Mike One. I feel like Mike One might either love this film or absolutely destroy it. But <laughs> the prosthetics, to answer your question, sorry, they, to me they worked. Like, but it's it's it is shocking when you see Brendan Fraser, and I and I really do mean that. Like, your jaw will hit the floor. It's yeah, it's just unbelievable. This has rattled my whole. <laughs> whole paragraph that I wrote. I don't know what to make of that. I'm shocked that uh, I'm going to be so shocked with this film, Michael. I Look, at, I, I, all I can say is that I'm very curious to watch what happens at the mm. Gotham Awards upcoming because we have we have Kate Blanchett, Michelle Yeoh, Brendan Fraser, all in the same category, Danielle Deadweiler as well. We have Colin Farrell, but for a different film because Banshees is not eligible uh, in that category Look, I, I think you know his path is very simple. He could start winning and then win all yeah. the way. Now, this is where the conversation gets interesting. In the past, when we've had a quote unquote sentimental favorite, which he is, regardless of the performance, like we haven't seen it yet, I can't say uh, where I'd rank him. But like Colin Farrell could across the pond, David, mm-hmm. win at BAFTA and then steal it last second. Mike, I don't understand why Colin Farrell is not the next uh, shortest odds in some of these books. But in, yeah. in, in the in the book I found, Vegas Insiders, he was not. Austin Butler was. But go ahead. Yeah. Tell me what's going on. Yeah, Colin Farrell, is, at least in the books I looked at, and, and I was curious. That's actually kind of the the spark that led me to looking up these odds uh, where I usually go to. And Colin Farrell does have mm. the second highest or second shortest i should say odds in this instance but he is good anywhere from five to two which is plus 250 to six to one which is still pretty high in terms of being a serious threat to an entrenched favorite at this point those are colin farrell's odds just to go through the third fourth third and fourth place right now austin butler is in third pretty heavily he's either five to one to ten to one you can find him and then hugh jackman from the sun you can find anywhere from ten to one to twelve to one david uh, what did you think of Hugh Jackman in the front run, um, uh, the sun? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, I was not a fan of the sun at all. Uh, I'll be honest, and I'll, tr- I'll try and keep it brief. Like, I thought it was overproduced, emotionally manipulative. Like, this is a really important, vital theme, and I thought it was handled quite dangerously. Um, it feels very play-like, and essentially, I... I I tweeted this. It craves award season tension, attention, which it doesn't deserve. Um, Hugh Jackman was the four to one favorite when these books opened, plus four hundred. He's now twelve to one, plus twelve hundred. That speaks volumes. You know, the, the whole yeah. film just feels it's the opposite of recency yeah, bias. Yeah, he's just drifted. Like there's no support in the market for him, um, and it essentially to me felt like a film where everyone sat in a room and said, "How can we win some Oscars?" They made this film. And look, Jackman wouldn't even be in my five. I like Hugh Jackman. It's not a bad performance, but I'm sorry. No year is it an Oscar-winning performance for me. Um, I might be wrong, but wow. I don't, particularly with the market drift, I wouldn't be shocked if he's, if he's not even nominated. And he's still cast in The Music Man, I believe, in on Broadway now, so he's really not going to do a lot of campaigning either, so that that film may get totally snubbed. I'm a little weirded out that it's also got pushed to January, too. It's only going to have a a brief qualifying Mm. run, and then it's going to show up in theaters in January. Anyway, guys, this is a strange top of the card for me. I I am am looking at this this, uh, 
this best actor race, and I'm looking at a parade of sadness because as much as I love Colin Farrell's performance mm. in The Banshees of In and Sharon, that movie, we were talking about it in the pre-show, David, that movie is a punch to the guts, and they just keep punching you. Apparently, the whale sounds like something very mm. similar, and we have the son mishandling a, uh, a heavy subject yeah. matter. It does open up the potential for a happier films to maybe sneak in here. Some contrarian opinions with Austin Butler or dare I say Tom Cruise, <laughs> but I, but look at, I mean, Colin Farrell should have been like, he's the, the guy that uh, won Venice over mm. Brendan Fraser. Now, mm. what does that mean? I don't know. He's the guy that I would have thought has the best chance to vie for this title, but this is a wide open race. I would say in terms of nomination oh, yeah. right now, Brandon Frazier seems to be cemented at the top, but I, I got to say, I'm a little surprised. I'm surprised by this field, Michael. I expected I expected lead actor this particular year to be loaded, and we had a lot of people yeah. move out. Coleman Domingo, Leo DiCaprio, they moved out of the race. And, like, it, look at this next wave of people not vying for the title. I'm very shocked. What I'm surprised at is how wide open this category would be if Brendan Fraser oh, yeah. wasn't in it and how furious Austin Butler must be that Brendan Fraser is in it. <laughs> yeah. Because right now, I mean, this would be Butler versus Colin Farrell right now, and that could be a, a back and forth. But that nonetheless goes to your point that this seems like it's wide open for nomination, but not so much for winners. And that's right there to me explains why Brendan Fraser's odds are so short. I mean, I don't even know that I would bother betting on any. I, I don't think there was a long shot that I would take. And like you said, Mike, Nicholas Cage from Butch- Butcher's Crossing at plus 2,000. Ryan Gosling, the gray man, 18 to 1 th- to 33 to 1. Adam Come Driver, on. the Hitler professor from White Noise at 18 well, to 1. He's it's a fun performance, but no, come on. If he didn't get it for Marriage Story, he's not getting it for White Noise. Right. Viggo Mortensen, Crimes of the Future. I'll have what he's having. The Academy's not watching mm. that movie. <laughs> Chalamet from Bones and All. I I'll have what he's having. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not. I don't know. Does Christian Bale from Amsterdam intrigue you? Harry Styles oh, from My Policeman? I know there's some noise out there for Alexander Skarsgård for The Northman. I don't see it. Uh, what are we talking about here? Yeah. Like this, these are sucker bets mm. galore. Uh, until this one name, but it's probably not winning it unless the mm. Baptists have something really loud to say. Is Bill Nye Mike plus fourteen hundred to plus twenty two hundred? At Living is a movie you saw more recently than I, David. I really liked it at Sundance. What did you think of Living from Sony's Pictures? Classics? Oh, I loved it. Um, and Nye really steals the show. He he'd be in my five for sure. I mean, for me, I would have Fraser one, Butler two, Farrell three, Nye four. And I hate to say it, but I might just slip Tom Cruise in at five to watch the world explode. Um, yeah, you would. <laughs> Everybody's saying but that. But the thing about the... <laughs> Enough people. You know, I just want to see the world burn, so get Tom Cruise in there. Um, the, but the thing about the naive performance is that I feel like he's he's so consistently good in every film that he's definitely upped his game, mm. but it's not like... Because the bar's so high, it's not necessarily going to like jump out at you because he's always so good. I think the film's a little man- emotionally manipulative towards the end, and it's sort of slightly over-seasoned. I think they got their point across. It was a little bit heavy at the end. But he's a player for sure. I'd love to see him nominated. I don't. He won't win. I'll make that absolutely clear. There's no way he will win. I don't think he deserves to win, but I do believe he deserves a nomination. I thought it was a very fine performance. 
I guess that's the long shot you would place your money on because you're not going to do it on Brad Pitt's Babylon performance at plus 2,200. You're not going to do it on Anthony Hopkins in The Sun. I mean, he's definitely not winning, no matter how good he is in that movie because he just won for that same role pretty mm. much. You're not going to do it on Kelvin Harrison Jr.'s Chevalier performance at 28-1? to 1? <sighs> Do you... Daniel Kaluuya for nope. I don't even know that he's a lead. Mm. Twenty eight to one. Tom Hanks is listed for Elvis <laughs> fifty to one. Just <sighs> come on, stop like this. These odds are ridiculous, guys. Ridiculous. Daniel Kaluuya is the only you know tangible mm. possibility there. I would say because he's really damn good in the movie. But you're, like you said, probably supporting Jesse Plemons is really good in Windfall. Windfall is not <laughs> getting nominated for an Academy Award, no matter how much I stump for it. I mean, again, I'd say our gamblers really this in, I can't see a way in which Frazier doesn't win this category. I mean, who's going to upset him? Farrell, I guess, is the only... Mm. Nobody's throwing a parade for Farrell. That's why I feel like, guys, this category could open up somehow if the movie gets a lot of backlash. To who, though? Like, it might go international. We saw, I mean, Roberto yes. Benini, Roberto Benini all those years ago. I mean, Song Park Hai-il from Decision to Leave, Song Kang-ho from Broker mm. One Can, maybe I mean, there. there's a reason Adam Sandler and Hustle has been in Scott's top five in this category for mm. so long. Mm. It's just a, it's a... Weird category. It's a year. mess. <laughs> it's Jonathan, a, It's a mess beyond the top three. Jonathan Majors, Adam Sandler, those are big names that with movies yet to come, or are... In Major's case, with a movie yet to come, Sandler with a movie that uh, in Hustle that was was really good, but not an Oscar, it's not an Oscar nominee movie. that we've yeah. seen in the past. Did gosh darn them! Oscar All winner Wancho Hernan Gomez. Where is the odds for like a Gabriel Labelle though from the Fablemans? It's just such a wild card. Like David, like you saw mm. Bardo, Daniel Jimenez Cacho. He has been someone. From the international film circ, uh, pile of of, mm. of good movies that uh, we've heard about and haven't seen, like Bardo is one of those highly touted ones. Felix Kammerer from All Quiet on the Western Front, Ram Charan Teha from uh, RRR. Like you could you could get this category to go international at the end of the day. Will it go for Daniel Jimenez Cacho there, David from Bardo? No. <laughs> is I'm so, like I am looking. I'm gonna I'm gonna give some thoughts on Bardo a little later in the show, but and and they are thoughts. Um, no, is the simple answer. I, I, I don't I don't see a, a a nomination, let alone a win. Wow. Like I think there's a solid three, but four and five. Like honestly, I'm not even joking here. Within reason, you could pick names out of a hat for four and five from that list, and you can make. You can make a reasonable case for a lot of them. I mean, there's obviously some ridiculous people priced up, but it's it's it just looks like Fraser, like, and he is very strong at minus two hundred already. Like that, that's that's he's he's entrenched as the favourite, you know, and 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 I think that's for a reason. I think there's a great narrative. It's a great comeback. It's a great performance. I just think he'll win, and it's as simple as that. All right, I I do have to ask you about this though. Tom Cruise is not. In anywhere in my odds from Vegas. Mm. Why is that? Do you, do you think Vegas thinks that if he's in it, maybe he'll win it, especially if there's backlash for the whale and they don't know what to do with him yet? Like they're afraid to put odds on him yet because they... Uh, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like I often mm. look at these books and I think, what price would I put Tom Cruise at? And the Tom Cruise thing is really, really interesting because it's like, let's say Tom Cruise gets in. Hmm. Well, if Cruz is in, like he's in it to win it. 
Like, let's let's not pre- pretend anything otherwise. Like, if you're in those five, you you've got a legitimate chance as, as much as anyone. So it's like, well, the bookies think, how on earth do I price this up? You know, where 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 in that list do you put Tom Cruise? That's a really good point because if you put Cruise at fifteen to one, and there's Frazier fatigue by the time Oscar Sunday rolls around and Cruise happens yep. to make the field. You could be looking at a huge. That's a Absolutely. really, really good point. I can't have Mike being well, this happy. I'm just I can't. asking. I refuse to, to direct. The, I got to my tinfoil hat on here, Michael, and I'm wondering <laughs> if the fact that he does not have odds yet, if you view that, because David just said he does, he views that as Vegas not knowing what to do with Cruz yet mm. and being afraid. No, it's a really. It's Dave makes a really good point. I mean, if but I yeah, I don't know how you do price them because you can't put them at at forty to one, and. I guess you would put him at five to like you could put him at five to one, but then you're you're still against afraid. what the experts are saying. Yeah, I mean, you know? look if I if I was to offer you a price, Bill Nye's anything from fourteen to one to twenty two to one, I'd probably stick Tom Cruise right in the middle at but like sixteen or eighteen. Right? Like that's that's huge money loss. If you have a guy like Michael oh, yeah, up with yeah. like twenty grand to want to like <laughs> risk it. And that's a but I'm a gambler. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna risk. No, I, I don't have that level of liquidity yet, guys. <laughs> so quiet down on that. And when it happens, I will be able to pounce. If Tom Cruise wins Best Actor <laughs> for crashing another fucking plane, <laughs> David, I'm but, sorry I interrupted you. <laughs> but legitimately, it's like, well, how the hell? Uh, that 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 is essentially it. Like something smells here. Mm. Something stinks. Mm. Like. And I genuinely think it's that Vegas just don't have a clue. And I think if Tom Cruise did get a nomination, I think his price would be very short because it's the kind of nomination that you can see really gathering momentum. But look, I'm going to be honest. There is n- there is no universe where Tom Cruise should beat Brendan Fraser. Okay. Like, the, I think it's a fine performance from Cruise. I think it's two brilliant films, loads of nostalgia behind it. But it's not better than Brendan Fraser. Would I'm you sorry. put? Would you vote Cruz over Butler, Dave? No, I, I would. I would have. I would have Butler over Cruz. I, I was a big fan of of, of Butler's performance. And if Farrell? it wasn't for, I need to rewatch Banshees of Inisherin okay. because that movie honestly left me feeling dead inside. Um, <laughs> it was no, seriously. It was like, rough. I, yeah, I agree. Like when people left the theater, I was just sat there like white as a ghost, thinking. What's the meaning of all this? Like, I was in a dark place. So I need to study that performance again. It's definitely some of his better work. But I just think Fraser wins. And I know, like, that sounds obvious and the book suggests that. But, you know, tinfoil hat on, it would be a shock if Fraser didn't win. Well, the only risk is that the the entrenched favorite at this point, recent history suggests it's going to fall off. Like, if you're such a favorite that you can't lose you lose by the time Oscar Sunday comes around. Like Belfast was everywhere, right? And it lost. Mm. Like Power of the Dog at one point was everywhere, and it lost. David, do you think the whale could engender enough backlash like with how they handle the subject matter, with how quote-unquote mm. shocking it might be, that people will say, not we're not awarding this film. I don't care how good Brandon Fraser is. Or do you think at the end of the day, the Academy, the again, the creme de la creme of the industry, maybe after Colin Farrell wins a BAFTA, or maybe after, you know, Tom Cruise wins a couple awards, whatever. I, I'm trying to think of mm. maybe that's not the right argument to make, is it trying to give you alternatives because we don't know the alternative yet. 
But is there a world with a backlash against the whale, which is why it was one of my top ten feared films of the year, Michael? Because mm. it could go either way. Is could it engender enough backlash? Also, Mike, you are a very smart man, uh, and that is a great question. Yes, is the answer. Um, I I had the privilege of sort of meeting people after the London Film Festival and talking about it, and I've seen reviews, and I want to handle this subject matter with with care and. The, the essential problem the film will have is this idea that it's fat-phobic, mm. you know, that it's sort of this fat-phobic, depressing tale of, of one man and it's offensive and it's rude and it doesn't represent people who are overweight and all of this kind of stuff. And I've looked online and there's a lot of people saying, you know, oh, this film's terrible and, you know, and it's like, well, hang on a minute. This this is, a, it's a piece of art. It's a film. It's a story. Like, this isn't a, a reflection on... A community of people that's overweight. This is one man's story being portrayed. But yes, and I tweeted this, there will be a backlash. I am telling you 100% there will be a big backlash when this film comes out. And the reason they haven't released a trailer that shows Brendan Fraser in his fullness right. is because they know there'll be a backlash. That's why the trailer was just his face. Because, like I said, I was shocked beyond all belief when I saw him. And, there, and some of the scenes and the way he conducts himself, there will be a backlash. So, yeah, I can see it. I can see there being a backlash. And last point, just to remind everyone, Kristen Stewart was the exact yeah. same price, by the mm. way, the exact same price for Spencer this time last year. The critics, darling, smashing reviews everywhere, and the wheels literally came off. There is a narrative where Fraser falls off the wagon. I hope it doesn't happen but there will be backlash to this film. I can guarantee you it, 100%. If I owned a casino, I'd put Cruz at 10 to 1, and I would just pray he misses nomination. Hmm. Yep. I think if Cruz is nominated, he's a serious contender. And God, it really damn. enhances Maverick's chance Mike, of... I can't have Mike be right about this. Oh, I, this I won't this... be able to live with myself. Why does he get to be right about this, but I get to be wrong about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? The world's not fair. <laughs> Also, Mike, never let him live it down, ever. <laughs> Every show, from now until you are 85-year-old men doing this podcast, never let him let this go. <laughs> That's the plan. Don't think friend. that'll be an issue. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we can, we can wrap up, go a little quickly here, through Best Director, which also has an entrenched favorite, and maybe you've heard of him, a little up-and-coming guy, Steven Spielberg. I think he's got a future in this industry. For the Fablemans, minus 110 right now. You have to bet $110 to win $100 of profit back on him. Sarah Polly currently is in second with Women Talking's plus 400 or 4 to 1. Damien Chazelle, Babylon 11 to 2 or plus 550. The Daniels for Everything Everywhere All at Once in fourth place at 9 to 1 or plus 900. And Maria Schrader rounds out the top five right now for odds from She Said plus 1100. Yeah, I'm heartened to see this as the leading five nominees. That's that's cool to see because I wasn't sure how this, this race would have shook out. Uh, I would like to bet this category because despite these odds and despite Dan, uh, David's David's uh, genius uh, uh, Google document that he won't share with me that I hope uh, <laughs> to get my hands on at the end of this. Uh, look, I think this is a wide open category. I don't, I don't believe in the Spielberg. You want to put money on Joseph Kaczynski? <laughs> if you told me I could bet on a nomination, 
<laughs> I would bet on that nomination because I just oh, yeah. I think to, I think the industry is going to love it. I especially think the Hollywood industry is going to love it. I think there's going to be enough old people that are going to love it still in the Academy. Can and you I, imagine if Damien Chazelle misses out on going to the Oscars because Joseph Kaczynski got in for Top Gun Maverick instead? <laughs> Look, at, I think Todd Field did a hell of a job directing that film. Plus twelve hundred. I mean, I, I I could totally. I'm see surprised this. he's on the outside of the Vegas odds right now. I mean, he's Clayton Davis's number two in the directing field. Right. I guess I guess I would segue with this, David, Sarah Polly, like Maria Schrader does a really nice job with what she said. Sarah Polly, can you see her winning this category? Is this a twelve Angry Men level? directorial achievement is this number one is this a chamber piece women talking because i've seen chamber pieces mm. just showcase a director a directorial prowess like you know in, for, like many in the past have mm. i mean tarantino made one, one, one crazy ass one with uh what was that the, the hateful eight michael mm. mm-hmm. yeah essentially most of the film is a chamber piece it takes place in the same location and it's like i said it is women talking and it's very script heavy Look, I think Sarah Polly is the biggest threat to to Spielberg, like Good. legitimately 100%. I saw her in the the bookie that I use. She was 6 to 1, and I thought plus 600, I'll have a little bit of that. And then b- before long she was plus 350. Um the Spielberg line is is in- incredible really. He's already minus 110. He's a stronger favorite this time than Jane Campion was last year. So Jane Campion was the favourite this time last year, but Spielberg is shorter. Essentially, the bookies are saying Spielberg will win this, but for me, Sarah Polly, definitely number two. That's where my money would be. And I think those five, Spielberg, Polly, Chazelle, Daniel Kwan and Daniel uh, Shiner and Maria Schreider, uh, Schrader, sorry, they're probably the five, but Spielberg's strong. Uh, and look, if this is the thing I'm thinking. If, if Spielberg wins director, like... The Fablemans, it's just give it the Oscar for picture. Like, I how is Spielberg going to win director and then they're going to give best picture somewhere else? But look, I've got my tin hat on. That's how again. it usually goes, Dave. Usually. I know, yeah. but it's how it's how it's gone lately. They split director and picture. It doesn't all. It does not go hand in hand. I, I find the, I, you you are right. And Spielberg's um, lived it with Saving Private Ryan, by the way. Mm. Yeah, very true. Um, so yeah, I suppose. Yeah, Spielberg wins uh, director and Maverick wins picture. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, The the Spielberg odds to me are, this is just my take, but this is the easiest narrative to write out of anything. I mean, Frazier's got a wicked easy narrative as well, but the Steven Spielberg, it's Steven Spielberg, arguably the greatest American director ever to live, hasn't won the award in 20-plus years. It's his biopic movie Mm, that he was mm. so nervous about showing. It's already won on the film festival. I mean, it's so easy to write. I think this is, you know, I would be surprised if Spielberg wasn't the favorite in the category. I don't know that I would have him as a minus money favorite, but because that narrative is so overpowering in favor mm. of the, again, arguably greatest American director to ever live, it makes sense to me that he's a minus, even though it's a slight minus. So, David, the contrast of this nostalgia piece about his you know, uh, his life, his own life coming mm. from a well-known director, the contrast of Bardo to the Fablemans, what does this boost Steven Spielberg's chances, in your opinion? What did you think of Bardo? Is it that's a ham-handed segue of all time? But go go ahead, please. 
So I was fortunate enough. I, 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 uh, yeah, I did. Uh, I was fortunate <laughs> enough to uh, to see Bardo at uh, the London Film Festival, and I honestly described it as cinematic purgatory. It was like I was in a glass box, and above me I could see heaven in all its glory, because there was great moments in this film. But below me, there is just hell and fire and brimstone and death. And... And that's what this film felt like. It's like there's moments of greatness, and legitimately I mean that, but there's also absolutely horrible moments. And the analogy I've got for it is it's like... So I sit down in the cinema, and there's one seat next to me, and just as the curtain lifts and the film starts, the director sits next to me, and I'm thinking, oh, boy, this is awkward. And, like, five minutes into the film, he's like are you enjoying this film? And I'm like, well, you know, g- give me a second, dude. And then, like, ten minutes into the film... Birdman like... was great. It was a great Birdman. <laughs> and, then, and then, like, ten minutes into the film, he's like, are you enjoying this film? I'm like, dude, give me a chance. And then, like, 15 minutes, he's grabbing me and shaking me by the shoulders, and he's like, look at the cinematography. Listen to the score. Listen to that amazing score. Look at my direction. This is art. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. It's like, it is so sort of overdone, and it, it, it's, it's just like overproduced and it feels very self-indulgent. You know, it feels essentially like someone robbed a modern art gallery, shoved it in a truck and then dumped it on my doorstep and expects <laughs> me not only to be grateful for all this art, but then to thank them. It's like, and also never in my life have I seen a film in such need of an edit. Like some, some scenes could legitimately just be cut. But there's others that are like three minutes that could be one minute. Um, one thing, uh, I will say something nice. The cinematography is astounding, by the way. Um, mm. Darius Conji, if he's not nominated, I'll, I'll be upset. And oh, somewhere, wow. yeah, I, th- I think the cinema, legitimately brilliant cinematography. Mm. Um, and somewhere in this film, there is a great film. And I mean that, hidden inside this 90-hour movie, <laughs> because it feels long as well. I felt like I was outside the space continuum. I didn't know when I was getting out. It, I did not enjoy this film at all. Look, in there, there's there's magic. There's 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 heaven, but it's surrounded by fire and brimstone. A bit of a mess. Too long. Cut the film, man. Too long. So no, it cannot be nominated for director because it's like you need to cut this movie down. It's too long. Too long. How funny would it have been? if David asked the security to remove the man next to him because he couldn't enjoy the movie. <laughs> well, that's, that, no, that's how it ends. That legitimately is how it, the, the director of his own film is bundled out by security because he's so intense about enjoying it. It's just, I, I can't wait to, legitimately, like, if, if I listen to your guy's show and, in, when it comes out and you love it, like I'm, I'm going to be mortified. <laughs> Mike, did you watch this already? I can't no, remember. I have not seen it yet. It just came yeah. to New Haven, though, so maybe I will. I'm like I, curious there's no now. Way. No? There's no way I can I can go into theater, especially after that review from David. Well, but look at <laughs> now. I'm curious to see how bad this movie is. No, aren't you? No, Dave, David. My one question is: Did you did you see the full cut, or did you see the one with the 22 minutes taken out? Do you know well, if you th- saw that? This is the yeah. this is the interesting. Qu- I don't know. Is the answer. Like I, I, I legitimately don't know. I, I hope I saw the longer version, mm. because if that was the cut version, like we're in trouble. And my understanding is this is getting released on Netflix, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just want to say, like, 
You've got cinephiles, you've got critics, you've got film buffs who love cinema, who are sat in the theatre going, this is long. Like, people left. Who the hell is going to watch this on Netflix and get through it? I just I just don't see it at all. I think I think people will give up, you know. It's, it's mm. oh, it's just long. And, and the opening, it's like, get on with it. I'm literally shouting, hurry up. <laughs> so, yeah, look, I'll be fascinated to hear your thoughts. Um, now I've said that it'll win director, it'll win picture, it'll win score, <laughs> sweep. it'll yeah. go down Silence as one of the, of the best lamp, films of all run. time. But yeah, I, I apologise for my rant, but that's where I'm at with Bardo. Never well, apologise for a rant. If you want podcast. to support Bardo and Best Director, you can get Inuri to at 14 to 1 right now, <laughs> along the likes of uh, Sam Mendes for Empire of the Light. James Cameron is actually 16 to 1, which isn't bad odds. Park mm. Chan work, it depends on the book. You could find it 16 to 1. Dave found it all the way up at 40 to 1. Florian Zeller, kind of the same idea. You can find it at 16 to 1. Dave saw it at 50 to 1. Martin McDonough and Jane, Gina Prince Blythewood are both 16 to 1 for Banshees and the Woman King, respectively, as well. Guys, if I'm going to sprinkle. Park Chan-wook is not the yep. craziest sprinkle in the world. He won the Can Best Director. I was thinking the same thing. Like, he directed the hell out of that movie. Mm. I have to see it again, but I, I really enjoyed the... I really enjoyed the style of it. I mean, it's whack, whack, wackadoo style. Mm. Not whack as in, you know, the 1990s rap uh, slang <laughs> for neg- for certainly negative. No, but- it's good that you bring clarity to it because you... This is also... We should also take this opportunity once again to reiterate no wolves. No, not technically. Okay. No wolves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not technically. <laughs> I think metaphorically, I think they were still in there somewhere. <laughs> okay. Mm. But uh, the decision to leave viewing experience is intense. It's another one that kind of left me just guessing. I, I I was watching Decision to Leave, and I kind of felt like I felt with the Banshees of Inner Sharon at points. It was really bizarre. Oh, really yeah. bizarre watch. But I, it, there's if no... If you could have only one of those two directors make the field, which would you pick? I would pick Park Chan-wook. Yeah. I think McDonough's wow. script, okay. McDonough's script, and certainly the performances in the Banshees have some have merit to it. I am not a huge fan of the pacing of the Banshees of Inner Sharon. I think the pacing of the Decin- decision to leave. So when you ask me about a composition category, mm. Park Chan-wook's decision to leave makes a ton of sense. I'm just still baffled by the ending of that film. You like, go see that movie for the ridiculous ending, by the way. So yeah, there's I, my pitch. I, I saw decision to leave at the London film festival, big fan, well-paced, very well directed. That 40 to one is interesting. Um, I much preferred the direction decision to leave than the Banshees of Inishiran. Um And t- I've got to mention, it has a Parasite film, and I know how much Mike One loves Parasite as a film. So I just... <laughs> I was praying. I was praying Twitter wouldn't come back today on the 18th, so my last tweet could have been, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood deserved the best picture over Parasite. You that will go down on justice. that ship, and I respect you, sir, and I will go down yeah. on the um, A Star is Born ship. Stick to your principles. Yeah, that's right. Um, look, if you're looking for a, a, an international flavor, director is where you look, at least as, in terms of how the nominees have shaken out, certainly, in the past half decade or mm. so. So it's a good place to look. And speaking of international nominees or potential nominees, Ruben Oslin, Triangle of Sadness, he sits at 20 to 1 odds. Dave's found him at 80 to 1 in one UK book. Aronofsky's for the Whales, 20 to 1 as well. Noah Baumbach and here's Mike's Joseph Kaczynski, both sit at 25 to 1 or plus 2,500. Olivia Wilde. Dave found her at 100 to 1. I tend to believe that more than the 28 to 1 that I found her at. But if you <laughs> want to put something on Don't Worry Darling, feel free to 
lose your money, I guess. <laughs> uh, what do we have for those? David Russell, Amsterdam is beyond 30 to 1. Andrew Dominic's blonde, beyond 30 to 1. Chinyonye Chukwu is beyond 30 to 1. She's about 40 to 1 as well. We can go even further with Matt Reeves, Ryan Coogler, Ron Howard, Jordan Peele, Cooper Ray for all 65 to 1, and then James Gray for Armageddon Time, beyond 100 to 1 in some places. Uh, take this in any direction you want, guys, for the super long shots for director. Coogler, Peele, Ostland. Kozinski potential nominees would I be shocked if they got nominated no Chuku probably should be involved in that mix just based on the merit of the movie hell Noah Baumbach directs the hell out of white noise Mm. I loved his direction in that film I can't speak to Aronofsky look Ostland talk about a movie that at where every scene to me was like bloated like eight minutes too long I I didn't I don't understand the uh I don't understand the love for that film necessarily. I mean, yes, they pukey on the shippy. It was funny. But, uh, David, did I watch another movie than, than you with Triangle of Sadness? Did you enjoy that one? I saw the Triangle of Sadness, and it is too long, but one of my favorite scene of the film festival was on that ship, the carnage that unfolded. Mm-hmm. I was in tears of laughter, and I don't often Good. cry. With, okay. I, I absolutely loved it. But, no, there's issues with that film. Um, but yeah, no, I did see that at the London Film Festival as well. Is Brendan Fraser good enough to drag uh, Aronofsky to nomination? Uh, yeah, I think wow. so. Um, because you've you've got to you've got to look at that piece as a chamber piece, as this sort of isolated analysis of this man, and you've got to say, well, look at the direction here. Look, you know, and if you like the film, you've got to give praise to the director. So, like I said, if that if that Fraser steamrolling you know award season he's winning everywhere then he could could drag the director into a nomination for sure interesting any long shots you like or you would sprinkle on Dave there is only one and I haven't seen it and um, this was when I had the the plague I missed it Gilmaro del Toro's Pinocchio now he's a mm. oh he's a hundred to one to win director now he's not gonna win I wish I wish with all my heart there was a book where you could bet on nominations because I would, I would just be so entrenched in that. I just, but those odds would be ridiculous. Like Spielberg would be minus seven hundred right he now. Would, yeah, yeah, yeah. There would be no value. Yeah, you'd that. have to have like people on the outside. I look. I, I yeah. just from from trusted friends at the London Film Festival. They said Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio was brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. I think I haven't seen it yet, so it's only in a, a, sort of an opinion on the outside. I just think he he could he could sneak in with with a nomination. Um, so the hundred to one makes me it just excites me. A hundred to one, come on, let's let's just put a pound, <laughs> let's just put a pound on and pray. I like that, <laughs> Mike. What's your favorite long shot here of this list? Oh boy, I would, uh, I would not think one of the long shots would win. I mean, Ryan Coogler, like I said, Jordan Peele would be my tops on my list right now. James Gray, I thought, directed the hell out of Armageddon time. I, I got a lot of respect for how he directed that film. That film talked shit about his own family for two hours, which was a shock to me, like that they, we would have an honest biopic for once mm. and uh, not a nostalgia play, the anti-nostalgia play in many respects with Armageddon time. I, was a, I, was a, I did not think that movie would be as good as it was. Uh, I do think that I'm waiting for odds on Elegance Bratton 
uh, of The Inspection, Edward Berger, Lucas Don of Close, Oliver Humanus of Living. I thought he directed the hell of that out of that film uh, there, David. Mm. Living, uh, Kelly Reichardt showing up, Joanna Hogg, The Eternal Daughter. They've been really gaining momentum in the industry for a while. And yeah, I'm a little surprised that they're, I'm not surprised that there's not odds on all the international uh, directors quite yet, but eventually they should get some odds and they should get some traction in the category because like I keep saying, I'm not, I'm not all that impressed with this category as of now. And I'm not the believer of some that Spielberg is just on that collision course. Now, maybe I'm a dope because, well, just in general, but maybe I'm a dope because the, you know, the alternative Top Gun Maverick is going to win multiple. No, (laughs) I just think, I just think like best actor, I don't know the alternatives yet. And I'm not like, yes, Park Chan-wook should be an alternative in that category. He should be. And yet that movie hasn't built the momentum in the States Mm. yet. So maybe it will, but we'll see. So, I mean, it's until the alternative presents itself, who's winning it. So I'm, I'm rooting for Sarah Polly. Like she's yeah. directed the hell out of a documentary. She's directed the hell out of a, a film from the early two thousands. I, I would root for that. I'm, I'm very excited to see that film when I can. And I'm, I'm heartened by your review of it, David, women talking. Yeah. Put it this way. If you gave me a hundred dollars and said, you have to bet on this car- ca- category, it would go on Sarah Polly legitimately. And the, fi- the final point I'll make is if, if you don't think Spielberg wins, You've got to be rubbing your hands together and licking your lips because his number, his line is so short that he's pushed all these other mm. lines out. Like you're getting great value on some of these other directors. So this is the kind of category where I think you just you just sprinkle because look, you cannot back. I'm sorry, you just don't back Spielberg at that price. It's it, it's there's just no value there. So Sarah Polly for me, right. I think, um, brilliantly directed film. I could get behind that, especially at four to one. I think it's interesting right now to look at any of the favorites um Hmm. because they fall off man i mean the more i look at how sure everyone is about i wish they would don't count austin butler out i think that's my going to be my moral for my story today he's don't count austin butler out he's still my number one having not seen brandon frazier yet yeah he's 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 my solid too i love that performance the interesting thing is is particularly with fraser saying he won't attend i believe how do the the unspeakables, the Golden Globes, play out? What does that mean mm. for the rest of the race? Because Butler, his performance, that film feels very Globesy, if that makes sense. And I could see it. It's true. I could see it gaining momentum there. Then you look at BAFTA. Do they sort of award Colin Farrell? So yeah, I mean, it, the tin hat comes out because it's it, it is a minefield. Um, but I hope Brendan Fraser wins, and I hope you guys like the film. I really do. There's that, I mean, again, he's got a very easy narrative attached to him. I think it's going to be hard for people in the profession to actually, when it comes down to, to nut-cutting time, to vote against Brendan mm. Fraser's comeback I agree. this year. Shouldn't so. he win the HFPA's award by default? Like, shouldn't he just, they, they like, if they don't give it to him, aren't they the biggest jerks in the world? But they might be. No? Well... <sighs> You're going to give it to a guy who's insulting you right now? No, but, I mean, they, but they should just because they're... I, I get what you're saying. Mia I mean, culpa. He also has a chance to turn that into a huge black eye. And how many black eyes? No, he's not going. Award? He's not going. So it's kind right, of right. But a... if they if if he comes out and says, "I don't give a fuck that I won that award. Fuck that organization." Like, mm. that's mm, not great. The, the I don't think Brendan Fraser would do that. Well, I'm just does saying. it look worse if he if you don't give him the award? Well, this right. is the point. It, I think it's damned damned if you do, damned if you don't. It's, it's a fascinating thing to think about. The HFPA say they you know they nominate him. He's got to be nominated. But then they sort of snub him. 
you know, that that in itself will cause controversy. And it, like you say, damned if you do, damned if you don't. I think if Fraser wins, the best thing he can do is just not acknowledge it. You know, he'll he'll right. he'll have plenty of opportunities, SAG and BAFTA and Critics' Choice potentially to give an, an award speech. So, you know, but it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Hmm. I mean, a lot of stuff, a lot of road to run here as we we're talking in mid-November with a couple heavy hitters on the horizon uh, this week especially. But this is where the, the gambling preview, this is where the lines are set as of right now. So we hopefully, I mean, we'd like to think we helped you out and gave you a little clarity and something in this episode. As always, what matters most to us, dear listener, are your thoughts, comments, questions, and concerns. Do you find these odds uh, similar in the books that you look at? Do you have any radically different odds? We want to know all of that. You can leave us all those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram. Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We're available wherever you do hear podcasts. If you listen to us on either the Apple podcast or Spotify app, if you appreciate what we do here, uh, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, those help us out a ton. David, tell the good people where they can find your work. Tell, fill the good people in on what's going on with, is it worth it? And when can we expect to hear your beautiful voices on the airwaves again? Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on guys. I've had a, I've had a real blast. I hope there's no repercussions for my Bardo rant. Probably have the director kicking my door in when this episode comes out. But yeah, you can find me at one David Long on Twitter. And please do check out Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. I did a whole series last year, Road to the Oscars. I'm hoping to bring a couple of episodes out this year of Road to the Oscars. Had a lot of great guests, including the two mics last year. And I actually had a chat with Craig. Recently got married. Congratulations, Craig. We're looking to bring the show yep. back. Uh, next year, sort of relaunching with a new format. Certainly le less episodes, but we will be producing content. Um, so, yeah, I tweet a lot about the Oscars. We st I, we still put film reviews out. So I'd love it if uh, if some of you guys across the pond would come and follow me on Twitter and follow my podcast. Really would appreciate it. Love that. Definitely check out David and Is It Worth It as well there. Uh, and, yeah, our congratulations to, to, to Craig, too. Yes. For the, uh, Tying the knot there. Uh, Michael, let's have some words of wisdom and tell the good people what's coming next from MMO here. It's wise to follow David Long. Make Absolutely. sure you do that. Where He will make you a rich, <laughs> rich person. Uh, no refunds. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, uh, I just, I love doing these episodes. We'll have to get you back again, David, especially when like the undercard odds oh, come yeah. out because yeah. we are filthy animals and we will mm -hmm. bet on all the categories if we can Correct. and we will and I can't wait and can't wait to talk to you about it. So the, these are so, this is like one of my favorite episodes every year that we just keep having to add to the schedule. So let's keep doing them. Uh, we will have Oscar race checkpoints. We will have Oscar profile movie reviews. The Fablemans is probably the mm. next Oscars profile movie review from us. Glass Onion also in our sights. Michael, we'll, we'll be looking at The Whale. We'll be looking at a couple other films in early December, but late November is, is stacked. we got a lot of films worth reviewing and Go back to all our um, festival reviews in, in our own right. New York Film Festival, a lot of the Oscar race checkpoints in our recent past have reviewed a lot of films. So it's just, it's been a deep mm. field this year, Michael. So it's also wise mm. to watch a lot of movies because a lot of these movies are certainly, uh, certainly. I, I mean, I made a silly comment earlier because you just got my ire up. You got my blood up about Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> a lot of good movies this year. I, I, let me correct the record. A lot of good mi movies this year. It's not a stupid year of film poopies. It's, <laughs> it's just Mike, Mike got my go, and that's that's what I, I raged. I, I raged may right have back. misspoke when I said film poopies. I may have misspoke, yes. Uh, Top Gun is great, but it doesn't mean everything mm. else is not. So, yes, go watch movies. <laughs> 
David, once again, thank you, buddy, for joining us uh, here. We love this episode, and we'll have you back for sure. Like Mike said, when those odds are out. Guys, when reality sucks, you can come get rich or die trying with us and our friends. <laughs> we are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make a word season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See you.